Well, good morning. As she mentioned, my name is Jared, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, we are taking a small break from Andy going through John uh, to talk just this week uh, about Lent, as she talked about uh, fasting, uh, biblical fasting. And I joked with Andy this week if he thought uh, teaching on giving was a hard series, try teaching on fasting on Super Bowl Sunday. I would make an argument that might be equally difficult. Uh, so this Sunday we're taking a break. Uh, we're going to be looking at what does the Bible say about fasting? Uh, and in light of Lent uh, this coming Wednesday, what do we do with that? Um, so to get into that, um, I l- um, love watching sports. I don't usually watch too many TV shows. But a couple of years ago, I got hooked on the TV show Alone. If you've ever watched Alone, the premise is they take 10 contestants, they drop them in a remote area, they give them some cameras, some GoPro cameras to record themselves, Uh, they have 10 items in a backpack, and they're in isolation for as long as they can hold out. Uh, Sometimes they last three or four days, sometimes, as this last one I watched in Antarctica, they lasted 71 some days, Um, and they figure out how to build a house of some sort, they figure out how to hunt, how to glean food, uh, and equally intriguing, um, they, they, they record themselves, and, and usually what comes out is about day four or five, they're like, I'm hungry. I am hungry, hungry, hungry. And day seven, day eight, they find the minimal amount of food, and they try to survive as long as they can. Uh, I'm intrigued by it because I have this inner desire that I think I could survive in the wild. I know I'd last like two days. I would probably have the fort collapse. It wouldn't work, and I wouldn't be very good on some of this stuff. But there's an intrigue of I can live through them. What would that be like? I'm also intrigued by their reward is if they're the last person, they get a half million dollars. Uh, you get to see people do desperate things for half a million dollars. Um, and then you also get to see how people react to when they have little to no food. Um, and it's interesting, uh, I've learned through this show, that the medical research will, will come on and say that the average person can last over 21 days before any harm is done to their body uh, with no food. Um, I would argue with that because usually if you skip a meal, your body says otherwise. Uh, it grumbles, it complains. If you've been in a staff meeting with me, sometimes if I've skipped breakfast or had a small breakfast, it can go very loud. And if you guys are like me, you might be told you can go 21 days, You might be told you can go longer, but skip one meal, and your body says otherwise. Uh, Here in the Western world, we are built around being full and being happy. Uh, If you don't believe me, just think about any of our holidays. Um, Think about Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, You might be cheering for a team, but you're going to eat some good food. Um, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, what's the common denominator in most of these is food. Um, We like our food. We like to be happy. We like to be full. Um, Yet this week, there's an old church tradition that comes around once a year, and it's called Lent. Uh, If you grew up in the Catholic church or more of a traditional church, uh, you will uh, be familiar with it. You're probably familiar with it, but you don't like it. Um, You are uh, usually taking the easiest road possible. What's the easiest thing I could give up for 40 days? Um, And likely it's not food. If it is, it's some sort of maybe caffeine or maybe it's chocolate or something kind of on the peripheral um, but today what I want to look at is what, what do we do with a tradition like Lent? What do we do with this idea of fasting? Uh, if you're new, uh, I teach a lot of the uh, discipleship classes here. Uh, we call them skills classes. They're classes that are designed to help you get in a rhythm where Christ can more influence your life. Um, they're everything from how to study the Bible to um, one we're currently going through a prayer one, um, having healthy rhythms in your life, uh, parenting rhythms, and um, Sabbath, and and 
one of them that uh, had been brought up multiple times, and even uh, the staff asking me to, to teach on this was, what do we do with, with this rhythm of fasting? Um, so to start with, a disclaimer uh, as we look at uh, why should Christians fast is you've got to look at kind of the baseline. If you're, care- if you're not careful, fasting can be something you do uh, to earn favor with God. But as we see in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from you, it is a gift from God. It is not from works so that no one may boast. For we are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared in advance, that we should live in them. So this thing says two things as kind of a, a plumb line as we get started. You were saved by grace. Uh, you were not saved by anything you do that's a good works. Uh, you are not earning God's favor by doing good works. Uh, we are to live in them because that's how God has created us. But we are saved through faith in Christ. So if you hear anything today, make sure you understand that fasting, giving up a meal, uh, humbling yourself before God does not earn you your salvation. This is a result of when you're saved by grace um, through faith in Christ, we live that out. And one of the ways we live that out, I believe, is through fasting. But as we start, I want to understand there are some misunderstandings about that. And one of them is that this idea that you can, you, you earn more favor. Um, so the passage I want to look at is, is Matthew 6, verse 16. Um, to give context, the first 16 verses before that, it's Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is coming and he's sharing really kind of his, his game plan, his, uh, what he values. And so he's talking to these people saying, hey, you've heard this, but I want to say this. Uh, and he gives kind of God's, um, God's rule for, for how he wants them to live. Uh, he's deconstructing a lot of the legalism the Pharisees have held on to. Um, he's talking through how to pray and how not to worry and how to be a light for Jesus. Uh, and in the middle of this, he starts in a verse 16 and says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So pause there. If you're like me, for the past 30-some years that I have been around Scripture, I've read verses about fasting, and it's like, cool, anyways, next verse, and I move on. It's that, it's that untouchable, if anything, you skim over it, you don't even see you're reading it, but I keep coming back to Matthew 6, right along with being a light for Jesus, right along with do not worry, along with so many other verses you have highlighted, you have underlined, it's convicted you. It says, do, uh, Jesus says, when you fast. So my challenge to you is three things out of this passage that were instantly draw my attention is Jesus is assuming his believers fast. Now I would say for many generations that was very typical. Uh, in the last hundred some years, it's, it's become almost extinct in the evangelical church. But Jesus assumed his disciples fasted. Even so much so that he doesn't even say how to fast and somebody asked me after first service some of the, the basics to it, and I said, I, I think he, he, they, they knew how to. He just said, when you're doing this, here's some things to consider. So as believers, he assumes we already are. The second part that was intriguing is the very last verse, uh, the sentence in the verse says, the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Very few times in Scripture does it talk about a reward for doing something for Christ, but here he says, when you're fasting, as I assume you will, do it in private, and there will be a reward for you. And we struggle with that because, again, there's that, that tension between we're not earning our salvation, we're not getting anything from Christ. Like if I, if I give up three meals, now you must give me three requests. But no, 
But God does say, I assume you're going to do it. And there's a reward for doing it. And then third is, if there was ever a time for him to say, this was something that was done in the past, and now in the new covenant, you no longer need to do it, this would be the time to do that. But he affirms the tradition from the Old Testament as something to continue in. So as believers, I think we need to realize that what he's saying here is something that often, like myself, we just skim over, but he wants us to take part in that. If you don't, that's okay. Christianity Today, a magazine, took a poll of the evangelical church, and less than 2% of Christians actively fast. So if you don't, you're, you're in the 98% and then some. Um, we, we really like to, in our culture, feast. We don't like to fast. And if you watch Jesus' life, he feasted and he fasted. Often we like to feast. If you think about how much screen time we have, how much food we like to eat, uh, how much sleep we like to get, how much work we like to do, the American culture, we're really good at feasting. Uh, we, we, we really enjoy it. But I think Jesus shows us to really enjoy feasting, you, you need to fast. Because you need, the, you need both. You need that balance. Not only just to enjoy one of them, if you're always doing one of the things, you don't know what it's like to not have it. But in our culture, I think we would be remiss to not say that look at where we're currently at in our culture of feasting on everything. It's not fulfilling. Jesus came and he said he wants to fulfill us, and he shows us a totally different way to live. And part of that is we're not meant to just always feast. Not just only food, but in, in all areas of life. And so I think we're missing out on something of this blessed life that he talks about, found at this intersection of discomfort and hunger. And we don't like to be there. We like to be fulfilled. But I think we're missing out on something. So to answer the first question, uh, should Christians fast? I believe it's emphatically yes. Christians should follow in Jesus' footsteps to fast. So the follow-up question right away is, well, what is fasting? I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there. Our culture right now, there's a fad about intermittent fasting. There's a fad about all types of fasting. Uh, This is not a weight loss program, although I think if you do it, you will lose weight. But it's not the goal, nor is it even the thought process, because I think you instantly miss it at that point. Fasting at its core is abstaining from food. There's just no way to look at all the verses in the Bible and realize it's God is saying, when you fast, you abstain from food. And I, I make that principle because it, you can fast from uh, screens, you can fast from your phone, from all sorts of other stuff, but at its core, when you really get to the basic of fasting, is food. And the reason I say that is, skip one meal and tell me if it doesn't get your attention more than 40 days of, of turning your phone off. One meal and your stomach will consume you saying, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And you're like, I'm trying to pay attention to anything else, but I can't. My stomach has my full attention. I'm hungry. Often we'll fast from other things, but the direct fast, the one that Jesus talks about in the scripture is from food. And so when we fast from food, we're taking away food for a period of time to get your heart and your body and your soul in a place of humility before God. In that place of humility, you can now come before God ready for change, ready to seek him with all your heart. In 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. I've learned in fasting, after a meal or two, and I would say it's taken progress to get to, to certain places, when I'm hungry, I lack a lot of the ability I have when I'm full. So when I'm full, I think I can win most arguments, I can convince you of most things, I can work 40 or 50 hours, I can go, 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 go. And all of a sudden I realize I've gone the whole day and I have not asked God for any help. But when I'm hungry, I can't remember where I parked, I don't know where my keys are at, I don't know my train of thought, 
I really don't want to work today. I really have no bone in the, in the argument. I need God to show up desperately just to do the simplest of things. We don't do much in our culture to humble ourselves before God. When you fast, you humble yourself before God because you desperately need him. It's one of the few, very few things that we can do individually to come before God and say, man, I need you. We can say it in principle, but when you fast, your whole body is saying, man, I need something. When you don't fast, you say, well, I think I can probably pull off today. I'm pretty good. I mean, I'll pray to God a few times, but when you fast, you put yourself in a position where you need God to show up. It's important to understand that fasting is not a way to get a better response to your prayer. Rather, fasting is a means to humbly approach God in a position of saying, God, I'm all yours. Quickly, most people will turn to this term called aestheticism. Aestheticism is self-denial. Self-denial, if you're not careful, can be I'm going to beat myself down so that God gives me something. I'm going to work harder so God can appreciate me. I've sinned and so I'm going to do this so that God feels better about it. In Colossians 2.16, Paul addresses this. 2.16 through 23, Paul is coming down hard on the Colossians church. He says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or in regards to a festival, a new moon, or Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aestheticism or worship of angels or going into details about visions, puffing up without reason in a sensual mind, and not holding fast from the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive to the world, do you submit to these regulations? Do not handle, do not touch, do not t- uh, taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teaching. These have indeed the appearance of wisdom and promoting self-made religion and aestheticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So Paul here, you will see in the Bible, it talks multiple times about good aestheticism and bad aestheticism, the self-denial. Uh, so I, I want to draw attention to that because quickly, if you're like, well, Paul says we're done with that, all this stuff about what food to eat, what not, food not to eat. But you'll see here, Paul is talking to the Colossian church because someone has come in and basically said, if if you want to be a part of this church, if you want to follow Jesus, then you won't eat this food, you won't do this thing, you won't do these things. And he's brought legalism into the church. He's brought this, you can do this, you can't do this. And Paul says there's no place in the church for that. So even here's North Point. Fasting is not this, you now get to enter into a true fellowship with God. Fasting has nothing to do with our standing with God. That comes through the saving grace of Christ. But we also see that self-denial should not bring you, uh, should bring, it should bring you low, it should not rise you up. In this church, they were doing this to look better, to come closer to Christ. And Paul said there's nothing of that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27, most of us know this verse, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beats the air, but I discipline my body to keep it under control, least after preaching to others, I myself may be disqualified. In other words, here he's talking about, I discipline my body, I beat my body, I beat it into submission. Most of us, if we're not careful, if we let our body do what it wants to do, uh, we have no control over it. It will control us. So Paul is saying here, you've got to be careful to, to control your body to the best of your abilities so that it doesn't disqualify you. 
He goes earlier in, verse, or in chapter 6, verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated or controlled or enslaved by anything. We see here that part of his strategy is when to discern whether we're enslaved by something, we have self-denial. So if you question if you're controlled by uh, food, give it up for a meal. See what happens. If you think your phone controls you, give it up for a day. See what happens. I'll tell you that when, when I give up food, the old term hangry comes into play very quickly. And I realize I like my food. If I give up TV for an evening, I realize all of a sudden I liked it more than I thought. A good way to find out if you have a God in your life other than God is give it up. See what happens. It also lets you know that you're not as patient as you thought you were. When you're fasting, it is really hard to be patient. And you realize, man, I need God. I'm not as good as I thought I was. So for many people, you want to say, well, when, when should I fast? Is that when I'm, I'm considering if I need to marry somebody or not, or in the life change, or those big moments, or maybe if I'm going into ministry. I mean, it's kind of this holy thing we do. So when should I? There's eight examples in Scripture. I'm going to kind of blow through a couple of them are, are similar. Um, but I want to look at, I think you'll find yourself relating to many of these. And, it, and I would pose that many of us substitute fasting for worrying. And I think we got the wrong order. So the first one is, from 1 Samuel 7, 5 through 6, is a repenting as a nation. Samuel was gathering the, the people together and realized they had sinned. He said, we have sinned against the Lord. So he drew the people together to fast. So the first one is a nation, as a people, maybe as a family, as a couple. It's a time to come before God and say, man, we have failed. We need God. So instead of doing more work, they fasted. Next one is in mourning. When the inhabitants heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, they killed Saul. Instead of getting a battle plan together, they fasted for seven days before God. Next one is when, when we're afraid. In 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 4, some men came to Jehoshaphat. A great multitude has come before us. What should we do? If I was King Jehoshaphat, I would get a battle plan together. What did he do? He said, we need to call people together to fast so that God may save us. For protection, Ezra 8, 21, when I proclaim a fast that we might humble ourselves before God for safe travels of ourselves, our children, and our goods. So we fasted and implored God's help, and God showed up. When facing opposition in Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4, the remnant who survived the exile was in great trouble and great shame. The gates are destroyed. What do we do, they said. And they fasted. When taking on a risk, Esther 4, 15 through 16, when Esther had told them to reply to Mordecai, she said to them, go and tell the Jews to fast for me. Not to get a better plan together, not to just even pray to God at that moment, to fast before God. Next one is before beginning ministry. We already saw Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Jesus started his grand plan for his life here on earth. And what did he do? He went into the wilderness for 40 days and fasted. Most of us, we get our, our big campaign together and we got all this publicity we're going to do. Jesus went off and he fasted. Lastly, when choosing church leaders, Acts 14, 23, when they were going to choose the leaders in the church, the elders uh, in every church went praying and fasting to commit their plans before the Lord. We see time and time again. Instead of what we would do, we would worry, they fasted. So I might challenge you, what are some things you're going through that you say, man, I don't know what to do? Have you fasted and humbly came before the Lord and said, I don't know what to do, Lord. I give you all of me. 
in humble submission, I need you. I need you to show up. Or do you worry in his general direction? Do you work harder? A couple, uh, last year, I uh, signed up for 5K with uh, Hope Venture. Um, I had had seasons of running, but I hadn't run very much up to that point. Uh, I thought this was going to be simple, and I realized into my first jog, I might have bit off too much. Even a 5K was, was a challenge for where I was at in that season of life of running, and so I jogged a little bit, and then I was like, I think I'm going to kill myself. I will jog a little further the next time, and I'll jog a little further the next time, and I can say that I enjoyed the 5K, I had a good time running it, I um, had a good time, but the preparation for that became baby steps, so that in my 40s, I did not kill myself preparing for 5K, which would be embarrassing. I had to get ready for it, and I had to prepare for it, but I had to take baby steps to get into it. For many of you guys, the question today is, well, all right, Jared, I believe you that I should probably fast. I believe people do, so how do I do it? I would say it needs to be baby steps. It needs to be this idea that you're saying, Lord, I'm going to come before you. I'm going to give up something to be in this discomfort to humble myself. Just like I would get ready for a 5K, I would encourage you it's going to take these little steps. So maybe you're skipping a snack. Maybe you're skipping a meal. I would say for some of you guys, there might be a health reason. I know with some of the students in here now, the parents are like, do not tell my kid to fast. They already don't eat already. They might already have health problems and they skip meals. Uh, I am no medical profession here. If you are a teenager, if you are pregnant, if you have a health condition, a, a full skipping of a meal or a full 24-hour may not be what God has for you for this season. There are seasons that are good for it. There are seasons that maybe yours is screen time. Maybe yours is uh, sweets. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's uh, a drink. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it is, what is that God in your life that you can say for a period of time and in rhythm, I'm going to give this back to Christ? For the rest of you guys who aren't in those categories, I would strongly encourage you to try food. Because like I said, nothing humbles you more than than that. In that time of being able to come before God, when you give up the food, pick a theme for that day. So if you're going to say, man, on Monday I'm going to fast, what is it that you're going to, to do in place of that? Because there will be a season where you're uncomfortable, but then as you move past the uncomfortable, you're saying, all right, Lord, I've given you this time. Who am I going to pray for today? As I come before God, as I skip a meal, maybe you skip lunch, and instead of sitting in your lunchroom with your coworkers, you, you walk, walk the campus around, around your office for an hour. And you give God a topic. Maybe it's for breakfast. Maybe it's for the full day. And every time that stomach's growling, you're giving it back to God and saying, man, I'm before you. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm here. When you are hungry and when you're weak, you need Jesus the most. There's no better place to be than when you need Jesus the most. Based solely off that, I would implore you this week to begin a rhythm. What does it look like to fast regularly for God? Once a week, once a month, um, you pick what that rhythm looks like. This Wednesday is Lent for many of us. Uh, the, the fad right now is to, to give up something for 40 days. Uh, often you'll go and you'll say, I'm going to not check social media for 40 days. I would change that just a little bit and say, you have 40 days to experiment when everyone else is talking about fasting of some sort. What are you going to do to get into a rhythm that is a lifelong fast? So that maybe you're getting into a weekly rhythm or a monthly rhythm or a daily rhythm of something where you're saying, I'm going to give up this thing. So I'm going to humbly come before God to, to submit to him, to say, Lord, you're, you're all mine. I'm all yours. What, what do you want to do? And then during those 40 days, make it fun. What could you do to say, man, I'm going to give up a breakfast, but during this breakfast, I'm going to now 
uh, read more of my Bible that I don't normally have time for. Maybe you're giving up a lunch and you're going to uh, work with a coworker and say, hey, let's go for a prayer walk. Let's do something we've never done before. Maybe you do it in community with somebody else. It's not something to brag about, but sometimes in community, it's, it's, more, it's healthier, it's more beneficial, it's more long-term. But then explore what that looks like. Maybe for some of you, you've done intermittent fasting for the fun of it, but now turn that into a purposeful time before God. Whatever it may be, give a time where as a church, what if all of us were coming before God giving of ourselves to say, I want to humble myself before you for God to show up. What might he do in your life? What might there need to be worked on that you've been worrying, worrying, worrying about? And God just says, just give up a little bit of your time and your, your, your food and your energy and let me show up. Experiment with something that's a God in your life. Like I said before, if you give up something and it bothers you, you might be onto something. If you give it up for a little bit and it really bothers you, Dig in deeper. It'll show you who you really are. It'll show you how much you really need Christ. So this week, as you hear of Lent, as you see people, maybe the mark on their forehead as they've experienced Lent, would you lean into, Lord, I want to have a biblical fast for you. Not just one time, but Jesus mentioned when you fast. It's a rhythm that you live out. Would you consider leaning into humbling yourself before God? So why should we fast? I believe we should fast so that we're able to humbly come before God and follow in Jesus' footsteps.